Tired of commuting across town for music lessons? Are you sick of crappy YouTube tutorials? Then go to fetchclass.com. www.fetchclass.com. Teach and be taught in a secure video conference one-on-one. Better than Skype and or FaceTime. Included is a scheduling system that reminds you of upcoming lessons. It's great for teachers and students alike. Join now and get learning. www.fetchclass.com. That's www.fetchclass.com. With yearly revenue at $347 billion per year on an e-commerce site, you need a website. You need bot.96.lt, a place to buy and sell anything. There's no need to build a website. It's built for you. Be part of an e-commerce community. If you already have a web store, you can join for free now. Go to bot.96.lt for more details. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Apolog podcast. Thanks so much for supporting the show, and thanks a lot for telling a friend. You can go to www.apolog.esy.es. Apolog is spelt A-P-O-L-O-G-U-E dot E-S-Y dot E-S. Please subscribe. And if you're on iTunes, please subscribe to that too and rate and review the show. Also, if you shop on Amazon, be sure to click on the Amazon banner on the right side of apolog.esy.es. And bookmark it. And every time you shop on Amazon, go to that bookmark and you'll be supporting the show. It costs you no extra money, but it really helps me out. Thank you so much and enjoy this show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome. I'm just squeaking this episode out. I uh, I had a really busy couple of weeks. Went down to Florida for March break with my family, saw my parents, uh, swam in water, and had a great time. It was awesome. It was 83 degrees Fahrenheit, and it was super awesome. Today on the podcast, we have Mr. Kyle Stanley. Kyle and I met when he played in a band called Closet Monster. He came to the studio, played drums. He also, we didn't even talk about it, but he actually played in my band, uh, Foursquare, for a little while. He filled in for one show and uh, knocked it out of the park, and he's just a great guy. Before Foursquare, him and Mark Spickaluck, we I started the band with them, and we played in Mark's basement, and eventually Mark's mom said... You can't have this anymore. It's booted us out. And I ended up putting my own band together and went on to do other things. But yeah, Kyle was basically the first drummer in Foursquare. Yeah, we had a good time, good talk. We talked about being a dad who's separated from his wife. He has two kids. I uh, used to work for uh, a label called Underground Operations, which was distributed through a major label. We talk a little bit about business like that and how much it can kind of be frustrating. What else do we talk about? We talked, we talked, actually, we did this one live, live to the Webernets. And we're going to try and do this monthly. We're going to try and do a live to internet broadcast of the Apolog podcast. It was a little hairy at first trying to get all this sorted out and try to figure out how to do it. But we did and we figured it out. So the next one will be coming. We're probably going to do it the last Wednesday of every month. So we had a good time. And uh, I want you all to sit back, relax. And enjoy the show, and I give you Mr. Kyle Stanley.
And we are live. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a first momentous occasion. A Apolog podcast has gone live. <clears throat> this is awesome. I'm using this technology called talk.com to communicate with a good friend of mine. His name is Kyle Stanley, and he's all the way over in exotic Hamilton. Exotic. <laughs> exotic tropical. part of tropical part of Hamilton. Are you on the hill? Are you a hilly? No, I'm right down by the lake. Oh, so I haven't even I've I've only been up and they call it uh, very strictly they call it the mountain. The mountain. And I've only been up there about 3 times total in the last year. Kyle Stanley is an old friend of mine from where are you from? You're from Ajax, aren't you? Originally. Yeah, born in Ajax. Born in Ajax and we met each other um in the early days of my recording studio and the early days of your rockin' and rollin'. October 1997. Holy crap. Rain mm-hmm. Man over there. I was just thinking I could tell you, I could tell you exactly how we met. Memories I have are very vague. I remember I had the studio and I had a band and then uh, you came over and recorded um, with a, with Closet Monster? Was that Closet Monster? Yep. Yes. Yep. That was our first, our first, first uh, studio recording. So I got a, we got somebody calling in. This is going to be, <laughs> sorry to cut you off, Kyle, but we got a caller. And this is, this is, uh, hey, what's this? Let's see if this works first. It's Neil. Hey, buddy. Look at you. What's happening? Not much, man. How's life over there in Barrie? Uh, pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've been to Barrie. Barrie's still there. It's still the same, right? Are you really? No, you're Barrie. You're real. you know, you're Barrie. I'm Barry. Yeah. Oh, gee. Yeah. And uh, you're drinking a big old Tim Hortons. This is my friend Kyle. Do you see Kyle? Hey, how's it going? Hello. Kyle and I were just getting into his life story. And uh, Kyle is uh, the drummer, ex-drummer of a band called Closet Monster. Do you remember Closet Monster? Oh. Yeah, totally. There you go. Kyle, you're famous. No, everyone knows the band from after I left. When they were making like the videos and getting on the air radio and Stuff like that. I was only there for like the basement shows. You have the same stigma attached as I do as Trigger Happy, because I was the, in the early days of Trigger Happy. No one yeah, ever heard of much. Trigger Happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, we're just deciding. Kyle knows what month we met, and it was in when October '97. <laughs> and how was that? How explain? Because I forget. Um, we had gotten together in the summer, the three of us, Mark, John, and I, and. Basically, we decided we weren't going to play a show for a long time. We would just try to get better because our old bands were just terrible. Um, basically, just write songs and then play a show after two weeks. So we did one pre-production thing in a guy's basement in Oshawa, a guy named Dean. And then Mark, who had recorded a song with you for that Raw Energy compilation, I think, with his old band, mm-hmm. suggested your studio. So we went down there, and they sent me in first while they parked the van. And I knock on the door, and four huge dudes open the door. And I go, uh, are you Simon? And they go, no, we're trigger happy. <laughs> Ooh. So they'd been, yeah, they'd been practicing, I guess, at your place Yeah. at that time. Yeah. And uh, then you walked out and I was like, oh, thank God. He's not big and scary. I can I can totally work with this. <laughs> yeah. And then we did one song that night and came back to do four more uh, two months later. Okay. All right. That was that was would have been okay. 
Neil, have you ever met Kyle? It's like a blind date. I'm setting you two up. No. No, I don't think so. It's all right. Duck and Handsome's my thing. Where do you know Neil from? Let me know where you know Neil from. Uh, Neil and I met, um, it would have been like three or four years ago, in Barrie, and we played a show, and you were in the Dead Starlets, right? Oh, it was a Dead Starlets show. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was one of their last shows, actually, and I got a shirt out of it. We, we hung out and talked about nerd shit all out in the front of that place till like <laughs> two in the morning. Woo! Yeah, and I, I, <laughs> I still had to drive home. But yeah, we met and then realized that Neil actually builds outboard gear by scratch, like from scratch or from kits. Amazing stuff. And you basically made your own recording studio, right, Neil? Yeah, most of it, yeah. Yeah, what, what, is, what is sort of your prize possession? I'd say probably my Lola preamps. They're, they're a kit, but I love them. They're my, they're my favorite preamps out there. Yeah, um, yeah I love those. <laughs> And what are you? Oh, okay, of course. And what are you working on these days? Because you seem to be constantly busy doing recording when all of us are just not. Uh, I'm doing about maybe five CDs or EPs or whatever right now, and then uh, and then working on my library music stuff too, uh, TV music library stuff. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, doing a few few bands right now. Um, just finishing up Starved at the Root, um, working on Like Animals' new EP, um, a couple other things. Who else? Kansas Stone was in the other day doing a song. Um, yeah, just a bunch of uh, local Barry, Aurelia kind of stuff. And then uh, You're the guy. You're the guy in Barry, Aurelia. When when there's nowhere to go for punkers, you're the kind of the punker indie guru of Barry. You're like the Rob Sanzo of Barry. Remember Rob Sanzo? You ever meet that guy? He was, no. He was in he owned Signal to Noise, and he was sort of the guy in Toronto to record. Oh, I've heard of Signal to Noise. Yeah, he owned that, that studio. Uh, was that where um... everybody recorded there? Voivod recorded there. Okay. It was, it was cool. on Spadina. It was just south of Queen. And it was a pretty cool fucking place. I love that place. And I, rub, I love Rob, and I haven't yeah, seen I'm, Rob forever. He was my Facebook friend for, still my Facebook friend, but he, he was very um, aloof. Aloof. He's, uh, we, we should uh, try and hook up Rob when we meet again. Well, hey, man. Well, hey, man. Um, Neil, what else you got? You got something to prove? You got something to post? You got something to push? <laughs> You got something to do? <laughs> something to do? Yeah, you got something that you got to tell the masses, the you, in fact. <laughs> um, we, we got one listener, and I that's hope you. I because I got nothing. Oh, now he's gone. Why did you leave, Neil? I got nothing, man. Really? Come <laughs> Was on. that me? I was the only one. Yeah, you were the only one listening. No one's listening now. Let's say racist jokes, right? No, actually, this is actually going up on... <laughs> This will be going up on my podcast, so we're going to be. This will be aired when on a Monday, probably this Monday coming up. So, uh, well, hey man, uh, we should actually get you full time on this podcast because that whole idea of building outboard gear is pretty goddamn fascinating. Um, We were talking a lot about that years ago, but you just came still seem to be making 
your stuff. And working with tubes is an amazing feat because there's a lot of voltage and you could die. You could die. Yeah, oh yeah, you can you can uh, you can get fried working on that stuff. Can I get um, look quickly just for the people who are definition of outboard gear, please? Oh, I mean, I know what it is, obviously, but <laughs> uh, maybe some people are just fuzzy on it. Okay, well, outboard gear is a piece of gear you put outboard. No, I'm just kidding. It's a piece of gear you put and you connect a microphone to <laughs> outside, uh, and you put it. You put it against. Uh, you put it. It's sort of the first thing you put your microphone into, and you put it then into your recording system. Is that the most simplest thing that I can describe it with? But you you essentially are taking okay. a signal and you can affect it however you want to affect it. Make it sound better. Make it sound dirtier. Make it sound awesomer. And then put it into your recording system, and that, then then that and then it's captured. The other way to use it is you can actually um, play that track that you've already recorded back and put it into your piece of outboard gear, uh, whether it be an EQ equalization system, and then you would then place it back into your system, and you would hear things with a different um, change. Is that a, a correct clinical way of explaining that, Neil? You know I was picturing a boat, right? I was too. You know the best ones, those jet ones, the fucking ones that fucking haul ass water, water that come out the back. Those are jet jet boats. Well, hey man, um, Neil, thanks for coming on, man. We're, this is all a new thing. We're trying to make this, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe a weekly or bi, maybe even a uh, maybe a monthly thing. Because this is my head was kind of spinning trying to make this work, and it's still streaming from what I can gather. Yes, it is. I have four computers here all working diligently at doing different things. But uh, but yeah, man. Sweet. Talk to you fucking later. Right on. Cheers. Nice Leaders. Oh, hear that? Made a, nice. made a cool Very sound. Nice. I need to get one of those things for my microphone. I oh, don't have a... Uh, I got one right here, dude. It's right here. You want it? Uh, I don't really like the color. Oh, I got a black one. It's brand new in the bag. Not even anything it's brand spanking new. How much does one of those go for? I bought them on Amazon for like, uh, I bought five of them for like $3. <laughs> you know what I never bought in my life were those little discs for cymbal stands, the little foam discs. Uh, you just stop it from cracking. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what they're called. I just, I, every single one I ever needed, I took from my dad. How about you? Are you playing? Hmm, I haven't played in about 10 years. 10 years. Why not, man? Well, it's, you know, you get to a certain point, and if you're not good enough, you stop. No, you don't. If you just keep trying to live with mediocrity, <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, the, the last band I played in, the band that we recorded with you as well, Claptrap. Yeah. That was the best I'd ever played. I was very happy with with the tracks we put down and the the way I was actually, like, wasn't just all about going fast and trying to keep that tempo for three minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I was actually. I was actually getting to know my way around the the kit, and I was perfectly happy to cap it off instead of you know. Yeah. Ending up like, you know, I was never going to be as. Oh, what was that guy who you had on the show? The drummer, the older dude, Cleve. Cleve Anderson. Cleve, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, like that, I can, I can see a guy like that doing it forever. I'm not a guy like that. Oh, uh, he plays all the time too. Like he, he. Yeah, uh, and he has his whole life, right? Yeah, like he never stopped. 
No, but the thing is, is that he went out and got it. He already had a job, like a real job where people paid him like yep. he had a, um, a pension and things like that. And yeah, he was really smart. And now he plays more than anybody I know, which is pretty darn cool. Like, uh, yeah. So let's get back to it. We were interrupted on this call-in show and our conversation we were having. And uh, that was actually a pleasant surprise. At least someone else besides us is aware that it's happening. Isn't that cool? That's the power of the yeah, interwebs. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah, it's a neat thing, man. Um, when we recorded, were we at the studio down at Ossington and Dundas, or were we at the house? Yep, right there. Okay, it cool. was uh, the studio. It, it was there for like until I think February 1999 was the last time we recorded at that studio. Yeah. The day we went to that hockey game at the Gardens, the day after the Leafs' last game there with we, uh, Liam. Liam was, yeah, Liam was, uh, he was sitting it out, right? Because he was injured. But Liam was our Liam yeah. Colleen, who's now like a bigwig over at Coalition or something. Um, yeah, I've run into him a few times. He actually, he managed uh, the guy from Claptrap's band, Brian. His band, uh, Hail the Villain. Oh, okay. Wow. It was, his, it was his band for a few years. It's such a small world, Simon. It's a crazy it's incredibly small. small. It's a crazy small world. Yeah, he's he's a oh, good yeah. kid. I, I told my story before about him get, trying to get a tattoo of a Tasmanian devil. And I said, that's a bad idea. Yep. And then he, he admitted, yeah. But he um, he's a sweet kid. He was my intern at my, uh, at my studio for, oh, God, a year and a bit. And uh, we had to fake a way for him to get his course credit by uh, faking a recording session that the, the lady came in to, to watch him in, in, in action. And we completely staged this whole getup about how, to, like, how we're going to record because he needed to show that he was practically doing something. When, in fact, he was kind of cleaning out the, you know, the, uh, the microwave <laughs> and uh, <laughs> hanging out. And, <laughs> smoking and swearing and you know but uh yeah he was he's a sweet kid he still is we were supposed to hook up actually a couple of months ago at york where i work and we were supposed to go have lunch but he was too busy and i was off and um yeah so yeah that's right we went and saw the last one of the well the the day after maple leaf gardens closed there was a saint mike majors game and we ended up sitting up yep. in the reds and we ended up watching the game and that would have been one of the last saint mike's games right we we went down to the golds too. I uh, took out a key and carved out pieces of the seats, one red and one gold, awesome. and I still have them in a little box full, of, like my two dollar bill and old no stuff. Because I was looking for mine a while ago, I couldn't find it, and I, I could not find it. And uh, yeah, we go back kind of far, you know, because you were kind of a kid. You were te- you were what a teenager, right? Just just eighteen when I met you. Yeah, just eighteen, young, fresh faced Kyle. So yeah, you went to what school did you go to? Uh, originally Anderson CVI in Whitby, and then Pickering High. You went to Pickering High. I went to Pickering High. Yeah, that's where I met Mark. Yes, that's where I met all the guys I knew from Ajax, pretty much. Because Mark lived kind of behind Pickering High, right? Yeah, right behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pickering High was kind of fun back then. I don't know how. What was your thoughts on it? Because you you were there a few years later than me. But uh, did you like it? I I was fine. I took. Pretty much drama every semester I can, so all my memories go to that. Yeah. And like specific, I think the best teachers I had were at uh, Pickering by far. Did you? Uh, a teacher named Terry Clements yep. and a biology teacher named uh, Dr. Dale. I don't remember they Dr. Were both Dale. Very but, good. But Terry Clements was actually a bass player in a Dixieland jazz band with a friend of ours, I believe, Joe Van Rossum, played trumpet. 
Are you talking about the same guy? Is he? Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Did he play bass? I thought he played stand-up bass. He didn't play anything as far as I knew. But it turned out he was one of my te- brother's teachers at Dunbarton 10 years before in Pickering. Oh, uh, I'm thinking of a different guy. Never mind. I need the fact. Oh, yeah. No, this guy was like, he was he was our favorite teacher. He got cancer one year and, and was dead by the next uh, May. Yeah. Yeah, and we uh, we we did that one song on on the uh, on our first full length about him. That's right. Uh, yeah. What was it called? Do you remember that? Higher education. Hydrate. Well, of course you do. You remember? I named everything. it. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I I named a lot of those songs. Yeah. It's like <laughs> that was like my one contribution. A little bit of boom bap, and I'll name the song. Yeah, we, I mean, we used to have so much fun at that. When we came, moved it to the house, we had one good. There was a good run at the house when I ended up taking the whole studio yep. and moved it into our house. And this is sort of pre kids and pre all that stuff. And we had so much fun there. And it just, I have a funny picture I ended up showing you. I think I'll put it as your actual um, posting picture in the blog. It's the one with the sign on it. Is it the one of me in the hat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll put yeah, that great. one. Great. It's a good one. I'm high. Yeah. Not. not no, not like I have kids or anything. <laughs> That's true. How old are your kids now? Good. We actually know. Let's pull that back because you you ended up kind of you had kids way before everybody. Oh yeah. Whoops. Was it a mistakey stakey or is it was it? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it was like um, like you know, out of nowhere. I was twenty and she was let's say seventeen. Yeah, yeah, and so in uh, and you you know what you did right buy it and you stuck and you 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 sort of answered to all your uh you know fatherly things which is commendable you know well i didn't really see it as a choice like uh, it was just kind of like this is happening this is what happened it's not like you can just sort of flail around and get out of stuff like that you know what i mean well a lot of people do man a lot of people do they just walk away i mean they just they they leave the situation and and you guys kind of lived close to each other yeah i've never really been able to do that really very well like I won't if I, I I can't live with that kind of guilt. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm too sensitive. Well, that is an amazing feat because at 20 years old, you're just getting getting your life together, you know. And and, and yeah, you, you, and it's a long time ago now. And but looking back, I think we did okay. I think we did okay for like the the formative years of the kids. I think we did pretty well. Yeah, yeah. And considering at the time, I was like, well, there's a 50 50 chance this is just going to go right to hell. Yeah. Like this kid's gonna be knifing people by the time she's six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I gave it about a fifty-fifty shot, and she's the sweetest kid. She's thirteen, and my uh, my son's eight. Yeah, because my daughter now is is uh, is in in. So you so the, your second child was definitely planned, right? Or is that another mistake? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nope. I could even tell you the time and. Di- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was that was a mistake. You said Hell's Kitchen was on. Yeah, well, <laughs> of course it was. Yeah. Oh, look at that! Look at the cooking. Oh, baby <laughs> making time. <laughs> so in that's uh, when you call it cuisine. <laughs> and uh, so having having an eight year old too, and so I, you you made you had two accidents. They have these things called condoms, Kyle. Oh no, no! I said like I said, the son was totally planned. She, oh, okay, was, my uh, bad. No, I got a mistake there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, cool. That's good. Yeah. And well, you you know, do you still cuz you guys broke up a little while ago, right? Now? Yeah, 6 years ago almost. Yeah. 
and everything's still amic- yeah, amicable. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's got them full time now with her husband. They got another kid, mm-hmm. and they got like a dog and a cat. Oh. It's my cat, but whatever. Oh. Um, yeah, and they're 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 doing pretty well. They yeah. they do the kind of stuff like uh, they take. Uh, in the summer, they go up north, get a cabin for a week, and do that outdoorsy stuff that I've never been into. Yeah. So the kids get all of that, and then they come. The you know they spend time with me, and they get the okay. Now this is Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> this is high art. Yeah. These these other people teach you to fish. I'm going to make sure you have every Calvin and Hobbes book. It's, yeah. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, do you have any regrets about that? Like, is this something that you know? Have you moved on? You obviously have moved on because you're in a you know. You're in a different relationship and all that, but is there anything you thought? Oh, I could have, should have, woulda. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, I feel like I was a complete idiot until I was 30 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just every everybody I had any contact with before I was 30, you, you may as well just write it off. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But now, uh, but now you see, I I really see where uh, where I can do better and uh, where I think I can do better by the people around me a lot clearer than when. I was say, you know, 25 and had two kids. I'm still, my head spins a little bit thinking about that. And like, uh, cause we had kids when I was 27, my first, was it 27? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, actually no, 33. We got married when I was 27. I can't remember anymore. No, we met when I was 27. We had kids. <laughs> Put this shit together. <laughs> yeah, you were 20, you were, you were 27 30, when I met you. Yeah. I was 32 <laughs> when we had kids, 33. You know, and that to me is sort of what that is the norm. That's what happens. People have kids later now. Yep. And, and uh, you know, the only reason I think people, oh, I don't want to say lack of education back in the olden days, but I think also it was sort of like we need to get this done because, you know, and, you know, you think about 100, 200 years ago, this needs to happen. And if something goes wrong, we have enough time to have more. You know, because all of the sickness yep. and we had no doctors really, you know, people would put leeches on your face because you had the flu and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I always said that it was uh, when you go back to like the whole animalistic nature of humans, the fact that um, a girl who's 18 can have a child and bounce back in a week, like mm-hmm. a week later, she looked amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. After her third kid and she's almost 30, not so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's and harder. the babies were th- a- as healthy as they could have been, like never a problem. I've never had a serious health or issue, except for one little bone thing in my son's leg ever with the kids. Really? So I'm thankful I got that over with before, like my sperm turned all like lethargic and like just you know angry. Do I fertilize an egg now? The West Wing is on. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> You make it uh, sound I, so I, sexy, I, Kyle. Stop. Being, you know, just being kind of like the, I don't really give a shit what people think about, um, you know, norms and stuff like that. And like actively, I don't just have that printed on a t-shirt. I really don't care. Right. So I'm happy that I had my kids while they were the healthiest they could have been. And their mother and I were the healthiest we could have been in yes. that purely, you know, we're apes type of thing. That's, it could be just me rationalizing, I guess, but. It's always seemed that way to me. You're right. You, you've explained it. You've explained it um, perfectly because when you are younger, you're definitely you know stronger. You know all these things, and yeah. but your brain and again, like a hundred, two hundred years ago, we lived until we were like our age, and we'd both be sitting on the porch right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, or dead. Yeah. No, we're sitting on the porch, <laughs> dead. That's what we. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, crows, circle of life. <laughs> I, I love that song. This is where they take the lion and put the lion up and say, it's a circle of life, man. And uh, The only well, thing I don't like about Disney movies is the music. That's yeah, a whole other story. I was talking to somebody about Disney movies. Actually, the last thing I did, I think, with, with Cam Stewart. We were talking about it because it's hooky, man. You listen to Frozen. You can't, you can't get away from those songs. You can't. You can't. They're masterful. Um, I just watched it for the first time about six months ago, and I, um, the movie itself I thought was fine enough, but I, I didn't, I didn't like the songs as much as I did, say, the Aladdin song or uh, Beauty and the Beast was a soundtrack I listened to a lot when I was twelve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, see, my love kids love love that Frozen movie. Even my son, he and we watched it in the theater, and I'm watching it with him, and I'm like. We're elbowing each other and like, what the hell? Is this a musical? What's going on? <laughs> why is this? Why is there a lot of singing? And my daughter and her friend are just like eyes up on the screen, just fixated on the movie. And um, so now I put it on and Everett doesn't want to like it. My son, he does not want to like it. He's like, I'm not liking this. And mm-hmm. then and you see him like, then he starts getting all googly eyes as he's watching it. And uh, there's a... There's a funny moment when she's doing that I'm free now song and she just gets a whole lot sexier. Like Yeah. <laughs> everything grows in the right spot and turns out being in the snow is good for your skin. <laughs> and uh so, <laughs> We could I could probably make a list of like my favorite animated females, but I don't want to go to jail. Yeah, see I played a lot of Tomb Raider if that's an animated and I I like Tomb Raider. Even in the first episode version of it in PlayStation One version, I'm like, hey, look at that. That's a chick and she's shooting shit. That's pretty cool. So what do you find yourself doing mm-hmm. today these days there, Kyle Stanley? What are you doing these days? What's your Fun? Yeah. You're not playing drums anymore. Well, you know, yeah, well. Generally, um I spend a lot of my time just consuming a lot of uh, audio media like the one we're uh part- participating in right now yeah a lot of podcasts. i've gotten to the point where i've gotten to the point where i've got a backlog of hundreds of hours of stuff that i really mean to listen to and i don't know if i ever will it's my favorite thing to do i can do it while i'm walking or doing the dishes or drying off after the shower yeah. or during the shower yeah. or before the shower while i'm taking my clothes off <laughs> uh, there's so many podcasts out there now that you could literally listen to one podcast like say the Marin podcast and listen to every episode and it will live longer than you because it's every episode's what three hours long or something two hours and you're like but i too am a junkie of sorts and uh and we were talking a little bit about maybe possibly you doing a podcast and uh we're not going to name the podcast because we don't want to give away your great idea. But I think doing podcast is the next best thing to being in a basement with a band and playing music. And um, I I highly recommend that. Don't do one as good as this one, by the way, everybody. Because, uh, you know, it's competitive. That's the way I roll. But, um, Kyle, you have such a great idea, and I don't want to let it out of the bag. So... Are we going to be working on this? What is the plan? Well, it's it's just, you know, it's coming together. I, I, I want to make it um, at least worthwhile for someone to check out. So I've got a lot of uh, slapping myself in the face to do over the, the finer points of doing something, like actually putting myself out in the world for the first time, which is terrifying. Yeah. And wanting to do a good enough job to make myself happy with it. How, how long until you got comfortable with uh, sitting down and talking to people? Um... Definitely, there's a difference between the one-on-one and the video. 
I still I, I I find myself a little bit uneasy with certain things, but I push through it, you know. And I've said this because I was going to do a podcast with another guy, and it got a little bit too um, judgy. People like, well, we need to do this. It needs to be this. It needs to be that. My whole argument against it was, it's not going to be perfect. And that's why if you want to go be perfect, then go to a school and learn how to be a broadcaster and then go take your internship at some shitty radio station up north somewhere and then go um, maybe get on the air and then maybe see. I never even that that part of me is not what podcasts are all about. And people are trying to make podcasts into radio shows. And I think podcasts are just like we should just still just for a little bit longer hang on to that conversation of what podcasts are and should be. And I think we're on the same page with that. I, you know, and and I didn't want it to be too, for sure. yeah, I didn't want it to be too segmented and this and that. And, and, in like, let's do the gag we did last week. Ha ha ha. This is funny. We're laughing. You know, I didn't want to be, you know, I'm not, I'm not that guy. And so I guess the answer is I'm not really that comfy yet, but I'm getting there. I agree. Um, I, I think my um, my biggest hang up so far is that I just I want to make sure I'm in uh, at least some sort of control over what I'm doing and my, my um, gradual education in terms of how to put it together physically yeah. and like, you know, whatever software equivalent of physically is. <laughs> yeah, um, that. Uh, that I think in a couple months I'll be uh, all uh, having it going. It takes a while to sort of get that part sorted out, but once you get that part sorted out, it's actually um, it's it's actually my tr- the, the, the hardest part for me is getting the guests sorted. Is saying okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this. Here's a time. Here, I'm a bit, like I'm busy. Obviously, this isn't my job, but getting people yep. to be guests is almost like a little nerve-wracking at times. I think what's going to happen is I'm just going to try and find good people like yourself who like to talk and say, all right, well, here, here's where we go, you know, and be a regular, have regular guests. And when, when I have crappy interviews with people, then they don't need to be involved in this anymore. You know, I had one with a guy, Carmelo Loporto, who's an old friend of mine from Germany, and we just shot the shit. And I thought it was that was fun, you know? And I don't know if people enjoy it or not. And truthfully, I really don't care, <laughs> you know? And should yeah. I? Basically, you're, it feels, even though we're broadcasting this one live, it feels like you're in a box right now. It's just me and Simon talking. Yeah. Like, I, I have no hint that there's an audience of one person or 10 people or, you know, 25 or 1,000. It's This is... Uh, extremely comfortable i think and that lends itself to um better conversation when i'm not stumbling over my own words <laughs> well i think the true the thing too as i've had this conversation before too is that the internet just isn't ready for real time conversations like this it's close it's better than it was but it's not at the point where it's very simultaneous, just like we're sitting in the room. There's this, there's a little time difference, and it's about a quarter second, and it's all it takes is to screw up the cadence of someone because you're getting everything I'm giving you a quarter second late, and that's just enough. <laughs> 
And we got the best. That's true. We have the best technology out there right now. This is uh, WebRTC, which is a plugin made by Google. This is the best way to do it right now. It beats out Skype. It beats out FaceTime. It sounds better and it's more fluid. And two people can talk at the same time, kind of. But I'm giving it three years and this is going to be like we're sitting in the same room. It's going to sound 100 times better too. And that's a plus. That's a plus for me because I don't need to drive all over Hell's Half Acre to record people. Like tomorrow, I'm going down to the Horseshoe to to record um, Paul McKenzie from The Real McKenzies. And it's got to be done in that basement, stinky basement of the Horseshoe. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That's what I do, man. That's my love. Um, so I guess I'm going to have to buy a new computer in the next three years. Your computer seems to be working totally fine. It sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got a mic on there. It looks pro. Don't have the ball on it, though. I'm just always worried that everything good's going to be like just that next level up that I don't have. I wouldn't worry about that. This this computer I'm streaming out with right now is from 2009. The computer I'm talking to you on is from 2006. And the computer that I'm recording on is... I don't remember how old this one is. But everything I have is at least four years old. And it still seems to work okay. So don't worry about that. Hmm. And don't worry about getting... Have any of those computers been to Europe? <laughs> yeah, this one, the 17-inch the here, has been to Europe a few times. I love this computer. I'd be sad to let it go because it's a 17-inch MacBook Pro and they don't make them anymore. And I will miss the real estate loss because i got to get a new one this year. That's what I'm doing. But yeah, I mean, it's building your podcast empire is something that I think you can do because you are an intelligent, bright boy with... Uh, you just got to do it. I think, I think don't worry about like if it's going to suck don't worry about if you're going to suck. No, you know what I mean? Like it's a it's a thing. People will people will It's not a worry for me. Then do it, the, man. Have you ever read a single YouTube comment? You can't take reception of anything seriously anymore. I think that's kind of a beautiful thing too that um you should just get fearless cuz you know that as soon as you put something public, everyone's going to like throw things at it for no reason anyway. Yeah. It's why I've never felt ashamed about getting naked in front of a large crowd. <laughs> They were gonna. They were gonna be mad if it was great. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing too is that if it is popular, you are gonna get naysayers. See, this this podcast isn't that. It's popular-ish, but it's not to the point where people want to cut it down. Because a lot of the reason why people cut shit down is because they feel that they could do better or they're jealous. And we're, I'm not at that stage. Everybody that I get feedback from has always been great feedback. Now, it would be nice to get some feedback from people that said, hey, why don't you could you could do this this way and this would make it better. And I understand and I love con- – and, and it's up to me to whether or not to say, all right, that's a good idea because I am the master of my own podcast destiny. And I feel that if you just get put it out there and, and throw it out there and do enough of them, if you have a good – idea and if you have a relatively good concept people will you know people get onto it and i haven't found my format and that's i think i like that i think i like the way uh the way you do it it's a good listen it, it's a friendly there's no like journalistic aspect of it it doesn't sound like you're david frost you know what i mean yeah. it's um and i think that in terms of taking criticism and stuff like that i think that the specific things that a podcast host does. And I don't just mean like 
like BBC radio shows that they cut into podcasts. Yeah. Stuff like that. I'm not counting that. I'm talking about like the Joe Rogans and the the Corollas and the Marins that exactly how they put it together without any input from anybody has made it into its own thing. You can tell what the Joe Rogan experience is mm-hmm. from listening to it for three seconds. You know that's not Joe Rogan on a talk show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's um so as long as the personality of the host comes across, I think it's kind of beyond like thumbs up and thumbs down. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is free. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you listen to every podcast ever. They'll, they'll say, well, you may not like this, but it's free. Fuck you. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like I've heard that verbatim. Yeah. I don't think your podcast would be the same if it wasn't like a hundred percent pure Simon head the whole time. Cause everyone know, who knows you knows who Simon head is. And when they hear the show, they're like, yep. That's Simon. Awesome. I'll listen to this for an hour. Well, that's good because some people will be like, I remember that dickhead back in the day thinking he's all high up and mighty and shit. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, and I, I appreciate that. Like the, res- the, the, the respect I'm getting from the people that I know, I, and I, I can trust what they're saying. They're saying this is, you know, what you're doing is positive. And that is important. Like, because if I was doing something and if I'm trying to make money or if I'm thinking that if I'm, my ratings aren't this and that and getting fresh street, you know, fresh, you know, freaked out that I need to get the next great, best, whatever guest, I rhymed. I, I think I would just implode. I don't. Th- I don't think I'd really. Um, I don't think I enjoy it as much. And and I, I like the fact that having a conversation with somebody is 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 to be on the outside and listening into people talking about things. It makes your mind say, "Well, I want to say something. I want to, This is my. You know what I mean? It makes you think about mm-hmm. stuff. And 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 yep. I think that and is for the rest of the day. Sometimes. Yeah, you know. And I've heard. You know, my big inspiration is the the Joe Rogan because. Well, I see he has a team of people and he has like a, a screen in front of him and the facts, either that or this guy has got a photographic memory and he can remember every single fact from everywhere. I don't aspire to be that sort of like, you know, here's the facts, you know, I'll go check on mm-hmm. the internet if I need to know stuff. And, and sometimes I th- say things the wrong way, <laughs> you know, and that is, that's what I do, you know, and, you know, but I appreciate people that would just, let other people know about it because that is where you can sort of transcend. You can sort of say, okay, well now, now I have an actual audience and there's such an, a, a mystery to the iTunes algorithms to say where you sit ranking wise. No one, you wouldn't, it's, you don't even want to think about it because it just happens and there's no way they never let the cat out of the bag as to how they rank things and put things in this category or whatever. No, no sorry, category, but the new and noteworthy part and what's hot. And it's like, doesn't make any sense to me and i've been looking forever but i've just given up because it's not it's not worth it you know i know how many downloads i get that's all that matters and i know i got a bigger coffee cup than you know you see that yeah bad boy that's what is that uh, handmade that looks handmade it is my mother-in-law gave it to me for christmas and i love it it's a big old mug um yeah how much coffee are you drinking these days i'm a little high in the coffee intake but i have dropped sugar and I'm using milk, so I think that's okay. And coffee isn't necessarily bad for you. It's the shit you put in it that makes it, that makes it bad for you. Oh, I know. You, yeah. you, you've actually given me that speech before. I was just wondering. You've got a coffee cup, like, on your body. That's right. <laughs> so it's, you think generally he's like, nah, probably more than two cups a day. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm up to four. You know, sometimes I'll be at work, and I, I, I don't feel like going across and buying it, so, and I don't make it. So I'll, I'll have one a day, maybe two. 
Um, and, but yeah, my intake has gone down. It, it fluctuates, you know, depending what I'm doing working wise. If I'm really busy, I'll drink a lot of coffee. And um, mm. yeah, like how is you drink a lot of coffee too, right? Because we we've had moments where we've brewed many a pot. Oh yeah, um, it's no, it's it's at most two a day these days. Mm-hmm. Average one, but like. I think you were the first guy I ever knew who was really like w- what you would describe as like a coffee guy. <laughs> it would be like after every two hours, you'd be like, okay, coffee run. Who's, who's going? Who's going? Well, we used to go down to that Galaxy Donuts. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Gross. It was gross. Remember one day we went there and they were like, uh, we are out of coffee, but we got instant. So they made me like <laughs> an instant coffee. <laughs> really? You got, you're not even trying anymore. You don't even go to the store and buy coffee. Wow. Galaxy Donuts, they're gone now. They've been gone for a while now, but uh, so. So you're in Hamilton. Yep. You moved out there for a girl, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, totally worth it. Yeah? I'm not going to I'm not gonna give a huge, like, glowing defense of the city or anything. But no. Yeah, totally worth it. Speaking of which, surprised me when I was um, listening to that, uh, the interview you did on Moving Air. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, how you mentioned that you'd had a girlfriend before, and I just, because since... I've known you, and it's been so long now. I can't picture you with another girl. Period. Like I almost got mad at the idea <laughs> of you with another woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah, because like it's my, been almost like it's been a while, a long time. Like since, how long now? Since nineteen ninety-seven. It'll be eighteen years this year. Yeah, eighteen years and married since two thousand and one. So yeah, I you know what? I can't believe that uh, someone would put up with me for that many years. And, um, I think, I think our lives, we come from different backgrounds and I think that kind of helps because if it, if it was a musician or someone that kind of worked in my industry, I don't know if it would work. I really don't, you know, I keep telling that to all my friends every time they're like, Oh, I met this girl, she's in a band and they get together and they've got those mutual, like they spend every night at sneaky D's and stuff like that. After six months, it's always, always over. (laughs) <laughs> they never get it. I know. You know, there needs to be a little bit. What makes things sort of, I, well, I'm, I don't claim to be the relationship master, but I have been in one for a very long time. And I think what helps is having a little bit of a separate, um, separate life. Uh, not, enough to sure. s- not enough to say, well, I'm going to do what I did 10 years ago because I wouldn't even consider getting in a van or in, on a tour bus and taking off for another for a year like i used to do and not unless i really really had to if i had to like money or whatever if i lost my job i would kind of have to do it but what i do know is that i would be supported in that mode you know that move and i think that's kind of important Mm -hmm. in 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 relationship stuff and uh yeah yeah when was that oh that's when i moved to winnipeg right is that what we're talking about yeah 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 the, the, just that story, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, I got, I got, I got jealous. It was like seeing, uh, like your favorite character in a TV show cheat on his wife, who you also <laughs> love, or something like that. Yeah. Just the mental image of you still like holding hands with another girl at the movies, and I just got furious. We didn't like going to see the firm or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That was. It's funny though, because at that time I was like, uh, I was, I was twenty one or something like that, and you know, you know, like I said, I mean, we're not all sort of like, yeah, we're, your life isn't completely um, carved out at that point in my life. <laughs> I was pretty aloof. I wanted to get the hell out of 
wherever I was, my situation, you know, but that's, you know, whatever we're done. If anybody wants to go check out that episode, it's the Moving Air podcast with Pat Lackenbauer and uh, a fellow podcaster. Very good. Yeah, he's a good, he gives great interview like he does. He, he understands people. You know, and I, it's funny, he'll he'll make a story out of just anybody. And I'm like, that is impressive because I, you know, and that's his thing. Everybody's got yeah, a story. He seems generally curious and uh, he had a real like go with it attitude. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I went over to his house and sat there and they have like easy chairs and it's totally not like a, like a, like an actual, you're sitting, you're just sitting in easy chairs and it feels like therapy a little bit. <laughs> Oh, let's check yeah, for you're this. the host. You got to keep it going. I got to keep it going. Hey, yeah, why don't you help me out here, Kyle? <laughs> oh, no listeners. This is, this is your show. This is my show. No listeners. Oh, well. You know what? They'll listen again on Monday. I put it on my Facebook. Yeah, me too. People are like, well, maybe it was, maybe I, your theory was folks. correct. Maybe your theory was that, well, everybody's working. And nobody can just sit there and listen to shit on uh, whatever. I'm going to put one final thing out there and say who wants to call in and then we'll uh well um give me a second here in the meantime in the meantime this is where you should throw in your ads this yeah <laughs> actually this someone, is brought to you this is brought to you by hey why don't you do it oh, i haven't memorized them yet oh, okay but i can do the amazon one though i can oh. totally do the amazon one okay. i know that one down, okay do the amazon one. okay go if you want to help support the Apolog podcast, just go to apolog.esy.es. Click on the Amazon banner and shop away. It won't cost you a penny more, but we'll get a little on the back end to help us keep the lights on. Apolog.esy.es. Click the Amazon banner. Bookmark it. You got bookmark it. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, if I was auditioning, like, I think I would have got that part in the room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, definitely, if you had something to read... Like like a real pro recording studio situation, and definitely you'd be uh you'd be in there. But uh, I was just gonna say you should try to get uh, sponsored by. Um, and now I can't remember. You t- uh, it's the delay. It's the half second delay, and it just totally threw me off. Isn't that crazy? I hate that delay. Now everyone knows how stupid I am. You're not stupid, Kyle. You're smart. Remember, I just said them? everybody <laughs> rewind, rewind to the part where I said you're smart and in in. in Bright, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and and, uh, and Kyle, you got to pick up the drums again. I'm gonna tell you that again. Even if it's just a crappy Long McQuaid electronic drum kit, pick up them drums, bang away. I've been doing it the last three weeks. Uh, my girlfriend and I are speed watching through all of Mad Men to get ready for the last season. And the little jazzy theme song they have, I've been pulling out the sticks and playing on her legs. Uh, every single episode. We've watched something like 75 episodes now. I've got that fucking song down pat. (laughs) What's your favorite season? Uh, Five. Five? Price. Okay, yeah. Tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What was the one where... um, Because I've watched it now since its inception, so I'm kind of like, I forget stuff. But there was one season, I think it was the first season that Jessica Paré came in on it. That first season. That would have been four, yeah. Four. Is that the one where everyone had a little episode, had a little part to the arc, but every episode sort of stood on its own? I think that's season four. Mm-hmm. And that was, to me, one of the, one of the best um, seasons of Mad Men. Well, it could be five. Maybe I've got it wrong. We need to fact check. I, don't, I generally... 
I generally don't rate stuff I watch that way. I, it's I can't I I can pick out like like moments that I love. You know what I mean? But I wouldn't say like oh season two blah blah season four. It's just not it's not how my brain works. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm still not used to the idea that I can watch a whole season of TV in a day. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm still looking through the TV guide in my mind. Yeah, seeing that Global was li- always listed as six slash forty one. I'm like, but it's channel three. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that's kind of weird too, is the, um, the concept of binge watching. It was never a word up until the days of like when DVRs and online stuff and Netflix, nobody knew what that word was because it didn't exist because we didn't have that technology to be able to, what was, what would then be binge watching. And I think it's such a crazy, crazy explanation to, I'm going to binge watch this show. So, uh, and it's got to be a better word for it. I really do. This binge watch sounds kind of like you have a problem. Yeah. Binge has never been associated with anything positive. (laughs) Ever. Ever. Um. You know, well, we got to make up a word. Maybe we don't have enough time to think about a word that needs to be used instead of binge watching. When I think of binge watching, I think of like boozing all night, eating a lot of food. Yeah, like if you listen to like Led Zeppelin through Led Zeppelin 4, would you say the next day, oh, I totally binge listened Led Zeppelin yesterday? (laughs) No, I don't know. I see. You don't use binge listen, but binge watch has sort of a... uh, uh, a roll off the tongue feeling. That's probably why people use it all the time. Catchy words has a catchphrase to it's it. True. I don't mind like when you're like lazy and you're sick and stuff like that, just watching TV all day. But it seems odd today that people like proudly announce it. Like I did nothing today, <laughs> and then everybody applauds them. I'm not saying they're wrong, yeah. but it wasn't acceptable back when I was pioneering it. Yeah, you kind of invented that, right? Because you were a stay-at-home dad. Right? Yeah, a couple times. Well, it worked out the one time because I was just working in a factory and the kid's mother had just gotten a fairly decent job. So I stayed home uh, for the last little bit of the parental leave. And then the second time, I just took, again, the last little bit of the parental leave. And then my job, which was at Music World in the Pickering Town Center, um, all of a sudden disappeared because some American company just bought it and bankrupted it so i had a year off with the kid again which works wor- worked out great in my favor because now they both like they really like me of course you had that moment that you know that not a lot of dads get to do which is hang out with your kid from infancy from babies because when babies look up at things and they go you're the one that feeds me you're the one that you know takes care of me that is pretty primal when you think about you and your baby and you know, and that's the first thing that your baby wakes up to see. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. I'm jealous because I didn't get mm-hmm. that. You know, I won't get that. But uh, no, it was great. Best put together. Best like two years of my life. Yeah. If you take those two bits and put them together. Yeah. I can't think of days that were even though I wasn't like, you know, you sleep weird. Yeah. Everything's kind of hazy. You're irritable much of the time. Yeah. But uh, just overall, there's just a sense of calm. Like on the inside, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I've actually done like some real worthwhile like stuff today. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. I don't care what your occupation is. You don't get to say that every day. Not at all. No, it's true. It's true. But you you were taking advantage of the fact that this is, you put a positive twist on it. Because a lot of people as parents 
kind of say, oh, I, gotta, I was up all night and I was had to change diapers and this is sucks and this is horrible. And yeah, they look at the but they were like side. smiling like crazy in the photos of their baby shower. You know what I mean? Yeah. Smiling like crazy. I, yeah. I'm taking kind of a, you could see that as, well, yeah, they're just putting this rough mask on it. But what I'm saying is, no, you're full of shit. You just wanted the attention. And now that the kid's here and it's got to have all your attention, you're pissed off. <laughs> Yeah, I told you my attitude hadn't gotten all that much better. Oh, you know, never mind, never mind. I I love the fact though you did put something positive on there. I I, I could hear it. There was a t- <laughs> there was a there was oh, a- no, it was gr- it was great. I think everything I've done is fantastic, but you know everyone else has a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> everyone yeah. else. Everyone else. Well, you know what? There's uh there's hope for everybody. We all have hope to be better people. I have hope. One day I will. One day yeah. I'll clean this basement out. I can't even tell you how messy it is right now. I keep. How long have you been in that place now? Uh, since 2006, we've been here. We moved here, yeah, 2006. Here, co- coming up on 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We've done a lot of Has work. Has your property value increased? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's gone a lot a lot higher. Well, there's these all these really nice, richy houses across the street, and it helps us out. And um, there's a graveyard behind us and a vacant lot that will never be developed on to our left and one neighbor. So we have some prime, pretty cool little spot, I think. I want to stay. Spring wants to move and and get one of these nice (laughs) new houses. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really, I'd rather make a a crappy house better or like a, you know, a a poorly built house better. Uh, And there's certain times when you have to, bite the bullet and say, well, I live in a crappy house. I need to move. Um, but we're not there. Like we keep, we keep adding to this house and it keeps getting better and better. And, and, and we're in the same trap we were in our first house, which is let's, let's sort of live in it and sort of get it sort of where we can live in it. But when we try to sell it, we're going to do this and that. And the other thing, we're going to make it all pretty. We're going to stage it. It's going to be awesome. I don't want to do that again. I made a pact to myself. I will not make the house pretty to sell. I will I will live in the house and I will do all the things I can do to make it better, but I will not make the house dress it up like a you know. What did you have to do uh, to the basement and on Warvet uh, when you moved? Well, it was um, it turned we turned it back into an apartment um, after we had kids. Okay. After we had kids, I moved the studio out and moved it up to a few different locations, but the primary place I had it at was Carla and Gerard. Um, down in this industrial area, industrial warehouse, kind of old red brick building um, spot. That's where uh, that's where the underground operations offices are now. Dundas Get out of here. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, is the the rose the the coffee rose still on the corner? Is that the one where there's like an overhang where you go into the door? Like an overhang from the apartment above, or from no. The above, it's uh, you go up towards uh, it's oh, it's uh, Gerard. I think it's Gerard, and there's a like a, uh, a low cost grocery store, whatever it's called, like a, and then it's no on frills the, or yeah, no frills. Yeah. That's what it is, and yeah. and and across the street, I so much. So much crazy stuff in that neighborhood. It's probably a lot cleaner than it was when I was there. But the people were falling all over themselves, wasted. Like it was a junky town when I when I had the studio there. Yeah, I think it's nicer now. Probably, probably underground. Operations. I saw Dallas Green there once. Ooh, 
Was he falling all over himself like a junkie? He actually looked more confused than I've seen most people just walking down the street. He was definitely looking for an address and not finding it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any affiliation to Underground anymore? Are you, uh, have you walked away from that? No, yeah. Uh, Professionally, I would say so. Mm -hmm. I wasn't good at it and I didn't like it. Yeah. What was your main, well, we've got to explain what Underground Operations was first. Why don't you explain it? Because you were there. Still is, really. Yeah. Yeah, basically just an independent record label that for a few years had major label distribution and uh, put out some records that were popular and a bunch that weren't by a bunch of bands that were really good either way. Yeah. And now they're still putting out records by our old friend Rob Moyer. Yes, I love that. And uh, the band Diamonds. Do you know them? Are they like the Mm -hmm. power poppy kind of band? Are they Diamonds? No, they're like... uh, 80s sunset strip like uh, the full-on leather uh uh jean jacket vests with patches and long hair and solos <laughs> and stuff they're awesome they're actually they're not faking it they're really good at it cool al's good friends with them turns out oh every cool. time i see them he's there so so what made you just leave is it because you geographically moved to a whole different town or was this something that was like when did you leave underground oh a couple of years ago yeah it was just we'll go easy on this and just say it wasn't working out well, that's fine so who's the dick? You? Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> well, you I know. Mean, like, there's not a whole lot of times in my life where that's true, but yeah, yeah. maybe. Big falling out, or or was it just you just saying? No, no, no. I, um, no, no. I still, uh, at the time, I still lived with a, uh, Dan Hand, who's the general manager of Underground. Okay. Who's, uh, yeah, fantastic guy. Everyone knows and loves Dan Hand. Okay. It's cool. I wasn't allowed in the club. I wanted to get in the club, but I, yeah, didn't, I, know. I didn't get allowed in the club. But that's fine. Um, it's it's a smaller club now anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fine. Well, that's good. I mean, that's what it was sort of all about. Do they still have the major label distribution, or is this something that they just sort of do their own stuff now? Yeah, it's all uh, in-house, and I think there's not a whole lot of point to having distro anymore. Yeah. At least that's the impression I was getting, and that's it's... I barely even see the need for labels anymore, really. You're right. I mean, it's it's tough to say, and you're thinking, well, if you want to still be able to buy, like, you know, the 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 new Meat Puppet CD, you you can you can go to a store and get it. Yeah. But I I don't really see the point of if it's just digital downloads and it's just iTunes, how they're faking their way through this last few years. <laughs> I think it's fan it's fantastic how it's. And again, I, I, I worked in very close contact with a lot of people who are inside, and I still don't have a clue how the whole thing works. Not a clue. <laughs> you would expect people ask me, what's the music business like? I don't fucking know. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you too, and I've worked very briefly with labels here and there, and the only ones that I found were the coolest ones were the people that sort of were in charge of everything. Because when you had a committee of people working on a small label... Nothing ever worked out right. You have all the same problems. You have disconnect. You have people not communicating with each other. You have people saying, well, I thought you did that, or I thought you did this, and and, then everybody seems to be completely aloof as to what's happening. Imagine that on a major label scheme where people still haven't, they're still scrambling so hard, they're trying to change the rules themselves, but at the same time, like, it's so topsy-turvy, you know? And I don't know what image people get in their heads when they think of, a major record label. Yeah. But from my experience, it's just a bunch of cubicles (laughs) 
with different departments and different people who work in those departments. Now, for the most part, they're fairly enthusiastic, mm-hmm. college-educated, and they're semi-okay with what, what they're doing in life, most of them. They, they'd like to like be moved up the ladder and stuff like that. But none of the departments can stand each other at all. Like, you can't go to the A&R department without hearing people making fun of the marketing department or vice versa or the publishing department, who apparently no one likes. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's, like, art and, like, promotions and things like that. It's such a dysfunctional, weird – and it's got, like, this, like, mystery to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're the star makers. We're, we're like this is where Shania Twain comes to hang out. This and it's just an office building, and it's people looking at numbers and people like doing up um, like photoshopping logos and things like that. Yeah, and if we were all, it's, if we were that, all, there's, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's there's none of that that smoke and mirrors of like a a huge U2 live show. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. There's none of that. If we were all ants with ant mentalities where ants can all work together and get one thing built, you know, then that's how big companies can function properly. Without that communication between departments, that's why people like smaller major label bands come in and go, and, and people going, and who are you? And they're like, well, we're on your label. Like things like that happen. You're stuck at the security gate mm-hmm. because people don't know that you're the the new band or whatever. These are all things, but if we all had this ant mentality where everybody could just say, okay, well, what are you doing? It doesn't matter. We've all, everybody knows the plan. Everybody knows the big plan. So we're all working together, getting this one thing done. And, but we're not that. So we're not going to ever be that. So the best idea is to sort of take things by your own volition and your own movement and go and good good will rise. I truly think that guys like Rob is a classic example the guy goes and plays homes in Europe for 10 months of the year. That's, that is huge because he has basically taken his, an, an idea and can make a living out of it, you know, and it must be fun as hell. And it is. And ev- the conversations I had with him at first, after the first time he'd done it for a very short period of time, he came out of it and without putting that whole like, oh, it was triumphant, like spin on. And he came home and he was like, I actually came up positive from a tour. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that? <laughs> so yeah. that was pretty much his next few years set in stone. He's actually going to go out and be able to be Rob Moyer and come out of it on top. That's insane. And the way he's set it up is genius because he can still play houses. This is nothing stopping him from doing that. But if he, for some he doesn't reason, doesn't need anything, doesn't need anything. But if for some reason something becomes where he's got a marginal hit on the radio, he can go play clubs, but still keep that mm-hmm. bread and butter of going to play homes and keeping things in control. And that is genius. You can't get that any mm-hmm. better than that. And it's like I called him the Billy Bragg of Canada because he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> when, whenever he wants to for whoever he chooses and be in control of every single thing. You know, he's taken house shows and say, this is actually fun. <laughs> you know, how many house shows you play that were sucked balls, you know? like Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing about that is, too, that, of course, you know, he met Billy Bragg in an airport lounge, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> while, while heading off on, on one of his, like, house tours. That's incredible. And I'm sure that that would have been a fun, my God. Wow. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, hey, man, we're getting up to we're getting up to an hour here. I should probably let you go because I have to accept my children are coming home in about five minutes, and I don't think this is good pod for children to be running around in the basement. Let's do this again. Um, let's make this a monthly thing. How about how about that? We'll do it live, and we'll uh, we'll I'll post this up coming up this Monday, the twenty thirty uh, first, I think. Whenever it is. 30th. 30th. Okay, it'll be live then, or it'll be up, and then people can listen to it, and we'll say this is going to be a monthly thing. You're going to have the Kyle and Simon show. Um, I really felt it heating up there at the end, though. I think this is that's our groove, our groove. I think we really, yeah, we really got going. Yeah. I was excited there. I'm yeah. like, I'm looking at the clock going, well, his kid's going to be home, and going to be hard to tell him i don't give a shit that his kid's home we're really cooking here i know i know and i uh i appreciate you coming on and helping me out and being on this podcast and let's um i don't know let's make a date let's do this we'll find it next uh, a time next month and we'll do the exact same thing we'll do it live and we will um convene again excellent thanks for having me son yeah man cool yes kyle stanley first live broadcast of the epilogue podcast isn't that cool First live, we had one listener. His name is Neil. He called in, and then when we kicked him off, he uh, he bailed. So we had no listeners, but you know what we're going to do this, and we're going to make this better. It was fun. Uh, you can listen to it now. So be warned, it's going to happen at the end of every month. I don't think it's going to be part of the actual Monday releases, but it will definitely be coming out, and it'll be definitely something I want to do and get better at and see if people enjoy it. I would like to get your comments and suggestions uh, if you'd like to comment at apolog.esy.es, comment in any box on any episode, you can do that. You don't have to. You won't be spammed. You won't have any sort of weird viruses sent your way. I'm not like that. I don't send spam, okay? So if you want, comment. Let me know what you want to hear on this podcast. Do you want to be on the podcast? Then go to the Be a Guest part. Be a guest. Be our guest. And it's the contact bar in the at that website really want you to go to Amazon and click through. It seems like the only person, people that are actually doing that are my parents uh, because they're in the States and they're shopping on Amazon like fiends. And I can see that they're shopping on it. And thank you very much, mom and dad, for supporting the show and me in life forever. Um, right. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Go to the Facebook page. Search out Apolog Podcast on Facebook. We'll be there. Subscribe on iTunes. Same thing. Just type in that little Google box, type in Apolog Podcast, and we'll be right up the top because there's nothing else that exists because it's a great idea. Next week, we actually have a guest, and it's planned, and it's recorded, so I can tell you who it is. It's going to be Paul McKenzie, Troy, and I forgot the actual name of the bagpipe player, but uh, he's from Spain. No, not Spain. He's from the Basque region. He's a bagpipe player who lives in the Basque region of Spain. Pretty cool. We went. I went to the Horseshoe, and I recorded them live, and you could hear a band called The Isotopes playing above us. It was very cool. It was fun. It was, it was a little hectic. I wish we did it earlier so nobody was all, like, because there was some drinking going on. Not me, but the band. So, yeah, there you go. We will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for telling a friend. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, see you next week. I'll be here. Bye. Bye.